during the course of this retreat, we'll be offering reflections and guidance uh, on all four of the domains of establishing mindfulness that uh, Akinchino spoke about. these four satipatanas, these four ways of uh, establishing patana sati mindfulness, uh, found in this sutta, this teaching of the Buddha that really has been so influential on uh, Buddhist practice and uh, is uh, kind of implicit within contemporary mindfulness-based approaches as well. Um, And as we've been reflecting over the last couple of days, uh, body is the foundation of the practice. And it's important to have that sense that these four channels or these four lenses, these four domains, these four dimensions of our experience. It's not that there's a hierarchy. We don't leave leave them behind as we move through the progression. They're about an increasingly inclusive investigation into the ways in which our experience is shaped and conditioned moment by moment. And how we can relate to that so as to cultivate a freedom, a clarity, a non-clinging, non-identification that progressively unbinds the heart-mind. And, yeah, The body is the domain for all of these investigations. And at any time over these days, it will be uh, entirely appropriate and helpful to take your attention to the body. (laughs) You know, so if there's a sense of okay, this is a, you know too much information. This is all these kind of additional dimensions feeling a bit complicated. Well, here's the body. You know, here's the body. It's the ground of the practice, the arena of the practice, the the domain in which each of the four dimensions is evident. Is revealed. And it may be that um, you know, today is a day when you particularly want to pick up some of the themes um, spoke about last evening, you know, the themes of continuity of embodied awareness through the different postures and activities of the day. You know, maybe using the soles of the feet as the support for that. You know. Or maybe there's uh, a sense of one of the elements as being a particularly valuable, uh, relevant, supportive theme to highlight as a way of looking. Maybe it's the earth element that you feel. Okay, could do with more of that. 
or the the air element, the the breathing, the sense of movement. If it feels like the body's got a bit kind of tight, sometimes just to really honour the the sense of movement and uh, kind of ripples of breathing through the body, very helpful. Maybe it's the space element. Sense a certain kind of constriction or a certain possibility of opening to internal and external space, perception of space in the room, in the the day, in the felt sense of the body. You know, these may be themes that feel feel relevant for cultivation for you at any time. And, you know, changeability, impermanence, arising and passing. This is, you know, in the Buddha's teaching, this is the portal to the experience of awakening really to kind of impress on our understanding, our consciousness, the radical impermanence and change of every dimension of experience. And it may be that that's a a lens. You may want to take the kind of spectacles of intention that really uh, highlight impermanence as a theme through this day. Impermanence in body, impermanence in mental state, impermanence in all dimensions of experience. So there is a sense on this retreat where we're aware that it's quite a short retreat and there's a lot of material. We're, we're saying and kind of giving quite a lot from the front and really to trust your own body and heart's sense of what's helpful to pick up and what's helpful just to let flow by, <laughs> you know, yeah really not a sense of kind of got to get everything clear and sorted and practice everything and, you know, really trust, really honor your own kind of intuition about which themes kind of hang around after you've kind of, we've been reflecting on them. And, oh, okay, that maybe that's that sense of impermanence or that sense of gratitude and appreciative joy. Oh, it's hanging around for a reason. I could pick that up and, you know, cultivate that, dwell with that, embody that intention in this sitting or this walking or this lunch period or this day, you know. (coughs) So, hmm, kind of trusting the authority of your own experience in that way. And we are today going to offer reflections on this second uh, dimension of the Satipatthana, this dimension of Vedana that Akinchino introduced in his talk. Pali word V E D-A-N-A, from the verb to touch. 
and this will be familiar to um, some of you and, and maybe you know, uh, new as a kind of observation or reflection to, to others, but actually at an experiential level, this is familiar to all of us because it's the basic uh, tonality of experience in each of our six sense domains. We've kind of highlighted a couple of times on the retreat how, you know, the Buddha, it's, it's such a clever, it's, it's such, a, uh, such a helpful and insightful and beautifully simple uh, lens the Buddha offers of seeing the mind for these purposes, the mind as being like another sense organ. So that thoughts are to the mind, or moods are to the mind, what objects are to the eyes, sounds are to the ears, smells. Do, do, do you get that? So kind of six senses in early Buddhist psychology. And um, the Buddha described this as the totality of our experience, the the six sense domains, you know. All experiences we've ever had have been uh, mediated through these six sense domains, right? Would we agree with that, (laughs) you know? Uh, And highlighting here that every sense experience comes toned toned in one of three flavors, pleasant, unpleasant, and neither pleasant nor unpleasant, is what the Pali translates as, which some people summarize as neutral. So some experience is very pleasant, some just mildly pleasant, some intensely unpleasant, quietly unpleasant, much of our experience neutral. Kind of so neutral that we, we scarcely notice it. You, know, you probably haven't had big reactions to the color of the ceiling in this room, for instance. You know, or your earlobes probably haven't been preoccupying you over the retreat. You know. We just start to open up to, wow, so much of our experience is quite neutral and it doesn't even kind of present itself in consciousness thereby. And uh, why pay attention to it? Well, we can see that... uh, this toning of experience um, isn't something in the moment that we can control. It's very immediate. It's not a a kind of judgment. It's not, hmm, is the taste of the berry compote pleasant or unpleasant, you know, at breakfast. It's like an immediate uh, felt sense, isn't it? Do, Do we get that? You know, a, a, a jarring sound, immediately unpleasant. A sensation of discomfort, 
you know, indigestion or something, immediately unpleasant. So this isn't at a thought level of experience. It's, it's just an immediate kind of flash of pleasant or unpleasant. Yeah. Nor is it uh, actually an emotion, where even though we use this word feeling tone, it's not about feelings as emotions. Emotions are a more constructed level of experience that are, are built from this initial kind of tonality of sense experience. Would we see that? You know, so something happens and there's an unpleasantness to it and we can feel that an emotion gradually coalesces, you know, around that, often fed by thought. Yeah. But this is something very kind of in the moment, conditioned in the moment. And the Buddha invites us to pay attention to it because what also kind of gets conditioned often immediately is liking and not liking. Do we sense that? How quickly kind of pleasant experience conditions liking, ooh, wanting, or must have, you know, or, or becoming someone who must have, or not liking, not wanting, really not wanting, got to get away from, you know. So that there's this immediate cascade into reactivity and the construction of beliefs and views and judgments and self-views and other views and plans and dramas. Do, do we sense this? You know, could be to an unpleasant thought. You know, it doesn't have to be you know, an external impingement, the, th- the mind sense organ, an unpleasant thought or mental image or memory coming up. And the unpleasantness of it triggers not wanting, aversion, to use the kind of usual term. And, and that that kind of amplifies and gets built and you know, constructs self-views, other views, plans, you know. In a moment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Greed for the pleasant, aversion for the unpleasant, kind of indifference, disconnection in the face of the neutral, you know, so that the breathing, you know, we may experience it as quite neutral. And so what does the mind do? It says, oh, nothing interesting here. I'm going to go off and find... Well, it's interesting, isn't it, how the mind can prefer an unpleasant thought to the neutrality of the breathing. Isn't it? It's like <laughs> kind of volunteers for suffering because we're, we're, there's a kind of intensity about pleasant and unpleasant. They often give us more sense of self, <laughs> substantiality, you know. And part of the uh, opportunity and the art of retreat is to practice dwelling in more neutral zones to find the peacefulness, the quiet okayness of the hands, you know, the kind of delicious softness of the silence.
the kind of lack of drama in the day as a gift rather than a problem. So, you know, we can, we can really start to acclimatize to this level of experience, which it's easy to miss, you know. It's, it's, we overlook it generally because we're interested in objects, you know, getting them or getting rid of them. But an invitation today to start to just acclimatize to pleasantness and unpleasantness particularly. One of the things we can notice, or a couple of other things to say, Jaya is going to speak about this um, this evening, so I'm not going to say too much more, but just a couple of things to kind of feed your practice today. Uh, To notice that these tones depend on the conditions of the moment. It's, you know, Akinchino gave the example of plates of spaghetti. You know, it's not that spaghetti is always pleasant, you know. By the fourth plate, probably not, you know. Even the, the you know, the loveliness of the bell here at the end of a sitting that has been peaceful and quiet, you say, oh, just right, oh, the bell's gone, you know. So to see that, that these Vedana tones depend on many conditions in the moment to, to construct them. That, does, does that make sense? You can, we see that in the interpersonal realm, don't we, how we experience ourselves and other people is very changeable, dependent on the conditions in the moment. And the Buddha you know, on this theme of impermanence, really encourage noticing the radical impermanence of Vedana. <laughs> you know? I spend the morning looking, f- looking forward to lunch and, you know, the first few bites are, are pleasant and then it becomes quite neutral and my mind's off thinking about the afternoon. You know, it's, it's like how w- we look for these hits of pleasure that actually... Uh, less solid than we take them to be often. And the, the second, just kind of final piece to add is, is to notice how the reaction pumps up the Vedana. So if there is that sense of uh, not liking the more I don't like it, the more I become someone who doesn't like this, the more unpleasant it becomes. Do you want to try that out? See if that, you know, the, the more I, I don't like being in the traffic jam, the more unpleasant the traffic jam becomes. Can we sense that? You know, the, the more there's a kind of aversive reaction to the perception of kind of no drama here on the retreat. You know, sometimes it can feel like there's this this kind of neutrality and I'm stuck in this kind of 
desert of vast eternity, you know, that is just going on, and that's unpleasant, and I don't like it. And I make this big thing out of time, perception of time. Oh, so many days still to go, unpleasant, you know? Uh, I mean, I really know what that's like, you know? And just how unpleasant, you know, the aversion to it, and the the belief in the solidity of that perception of time and the, the kind of not liking the unpleasantness, it makes the whole thing more unpleasant, doesn't it? You know? And to see that radical impermanence and changeability of perceptions, you know, including perceptions of time, generally they, they have the tone of the mind state of the moment. Do you sense that? The perception of time, you know, when feeling kind of tired or a bit low or a bit frustrated, you know, oh God, time feels so solid and endless, unpleasant, you know. It, you know, one of these lovely red squirrels comes along. Say, oh, look at that little thing, you know. And the mind state changes, uplifts, and suddenly time is no longer a burden, you know. There's actually, oh, this is so lovely being here, you know. <laughs> so just to see, oh, these are so changing. They're just, they're, they're, they don't have a foundation, these Vedana, you know. They're just constructs in the moment that are flickering and changing, like raindrops and water, as the Buddha put it. So, you know, to take that reflection into practice today, you know. Insofar as it's helpful. So, you know, when you're in your sitting or walking and you have a primary theme, maybe it's earth element in the body. Maybe it's breathing. Just if you choose dropping in the reflection, oh, pleasant or unpleasant? You know. Or neutral but with a, a little bit of pleasantness. <laughs> you know. So just to notice the tone if you choose to notice the tone of a kind of primary theme in your practice. Does, does that make sense? You know? To notice the tone, if you choose, of where the mind goes when there's a sense of, okay, it's gone off to that memory or to that planning or to this you know, painful knee. So it, it's the kind of plan B uh, aspect of the practice, to use a Kinchinot's phrase, and just to notice, oh, pleasant thought, you know, or unpleasant knee pain, yeah? So there's the primary object, and then there's the, the, the kind of where the mind goes, just to notice, notice that, just to register that. Not that we have to do anything about it, but just to notice, oh, unpleasantness, what's it like to breathe with that and allow that? where we start to, to discover you know, the deeper reasons why the Buddha 
recommended this as a contemplation. Oh, to pay attention to Vedana often calms experience down in a certain way, makes us less reactive. And changeability, impermanence in relation to Vedana. Something else just to kind of, if you choose to hold in mind or awareness. Particularly when there's a strong reaction to things, you know, wanting or not wanting. Just to know, oh, I'm just going to let it change, (laughs) you know. So primary theme, where the the mind or attention goes, impermanence, change, fluidity of Vedana, if you choose. Knowing, as I said at the start, that uh, dwelling the body, grounding, breathing, appreciating, all of that also very, um, very worthwhile as themes for the day. So let's take some uh, time with this now. Perhaps it's always helpful to begin a period of sitting with a sense of ground. Receiving that. Allowing the weight of the limbs Earth element Sensing may be the presence of this element in the bones of the body, felt or imagined.
maybe noticing if there is a subtle tonality to this earth element, this sense of weight, density, solidity, firmness in the body. Pleasant? Unpleasant? Neither? Maybe sensing too the movement of the air element in the body. Breathing and subtle movement and change within the field of sensations of body. Pleasant, unpleasant, neither in this moment. Maybe you can sense which of these elements, earth or air, right now feels more nourishing or steadying. Supportive to a continuity of mindfulness. You might, in this moment, kind of take refuge in that element, the earth element or the air element, not to the exclusion of the other, but just a sense of, okay, choosing this as the theme, the refuge, the cultivation of this moment. Sensing how it is to bring a attitude of appreciation or enjoyment to the experience of this element right now.
how does that attitude affect the Vedana tone? Buddha encouraged cultivation of an enjoyment of what is wholesome and supportive in practice and sensing that possibility of really deepening the nourishment of earth element or air element or space element maybe just through turning towards and receiving. Basking in whatever quiet pleasantness there may be. Even alongside other aspects of experience that may be unpleasant in this moment. Choosing to enjoy and make much of what is nourishing, steadying.
noticing the impermanence and changeability of all aspects of experience. Including these Vedana tonalities. Letting a sense of intention coming back, renewing, consolidating a sense of intention be a source of navigation through the ever-changing dance of experience moment by moment. breath by breath.
So you might guess what I might be going to talk about. <laughs> Whether the perception arises now in the mind of walking meditation and whether that perception feels pleasant, unpleasant, maybe neutral, maybe neither clearly pleasant or unpleasant. And if it does feel unpleasant, what's what's conditioning that for you? Is it the the memory of having been bored yesterday on your walking path? Is it a sense of actually I feel quite warm and comfortable in here and not particularly inclined to stand up and move? Is it the sense of uh, I don't still don't really get the point of walking meditation? On the other hand, it might feel like, oh, pleasant idea. I'm really looking forward to being able to move my body and to stretch a little, maybe to go outside, and so on. And uh, also in moving into the walking meditation, we go through uh, what one of my uh, friends and colleagues, Greg Scharf, who some of you have sat with, calls the fifth posture. So we have sitting, standing, walking and lying down, and he introduces a fifth posture called in-betweening, which is all those things where we're between one of those other four modes. So we can also be uh, mindful of the in-betweening as we move from one to another. And I was just reflecting, actually, for me, the idea, the idea of in-betweening is somehow pleasant. And I was just reflecting on this now. And what is it that's pleasant about it? Actually, I have to confess, sometimes that the mind feels I'm slightly off the hook now. So I think one of the others spoke yesterday about the moment when you go into your room and shut the door. And think, oh, you know, I'm off duty. And uh, much as we invite mindfulness through these transitional times, there is that sense of it, it can be very revealing to see how the sitting or the walking becomes a project that we've got to be doing right and somehow in those moments of transition, there's some peace from that. So just, you know, if that does happen to you, just, just notice and, and see, you know, how, am I making this somehow um, more burdensome for myself than I need to? Yeah. So uh, you can continue with the walking uh, really to stay in the body. We don't abandon the body, as Chris said, um, when we open more of our attention to the other channels. But it's also a really beautiful domain to uh, notice from time to time the, this flavor of pleasantness or unpleasantness in our experience. So yesterday, uh, at the beginning, before the sitting after lunch, I walked up from where we, we're living in the cottages near the near the pond for this retreat and I walked up through the woods and the sun was shining very brightly and it was very cold and I was just feeling all these different sensations and how the sun shining felt very pleasant but as I attended it to it more there was a sense in which it was really glaringly bright I didn't have dark glasses on or anything so there was was much less kind of um, one-dimensional than I had thought and there was this kind of burning sensation on the tip of my nose from the cold. 
that was actually kind of mildly unpleasant, but at the same time a real enjoyment of the freshness of the air and the, the kind of invigoration that that brought. So there's lots of detail to this that can be teased out. So one thing we can do if we're, if we're walking and we're thinking, and we just kind of have this kind of vague sense of this isn't very pleasant, it can be interesting to actually see well, where exactly, what is the thing, what is the, the aspect of experience that's feeling unpleasant right now? Maybe just a particular sensation that we haven't been aware of. It may be some background assumption that's running or uh, possibly you know, something, something that we've, we've seen. Um, so, and similarly, if, if something just generally is feeling quite pleasant, it can be interesting to get more specific about it. Okay, so where actually is the pleasantness in this moment's experience? And then attending, as Chris said, to how that, how that changes. And it may be you, you discover, oh, the, the unpleasantness of this actually comes from the fact that my nose is burning from the cold. And then you might notice that a certain time that, that unpleasantness disappears if you just keep attending to the sensations in the nose. On the other hand, you might actually come into the house and you're warming up and the nose no longer hurts, but the feeling of unpleasantness has kind of lingered. So it starts kind of uh, colouring the next experience. So we can, we can just take an interest in all that without making... Uh, a big project of it. So we cannot possibly, you know, identify every single feeling tone of every single contact that's happening all the time. This isn't what we're asking you to do. We're just offering this as another really important dimension of experience that you can um, become sensitive to. And I can't, I can't resist actually also... Uh, adding something about a, a, so a question that somebody wrote to the teachers, coming back to this thing of uju, of uprightness, uh, dignity, uprightness, that we you know, uh, can orient to in our sitting, in the walking, and so on, and in our attitude to practice. Uprightness, dignity, I could even say integrity, and saying, uh, what's the difference between this and a word called atapi, which actually repeats itself over and over again in the, the refrain in the Satipatthana Sutta that Akinjano describes. So these, these teachings have been passed down initially orally and kind of like a song that people would recite and memorize. And in this sutta, there's a, a refrain, which is like the chorus that repeats itself over and over again. And it invites us to be um, atapi, Sampajano, which means clearly comprehending, and Satima, which means mindfulness. Atapi means, uh, it's often translated as ardent, and it has this, the feel of the fire element, which is another of these elements that uh, Chris has been naming. And this suggestion that we bring a sense of ardor or ardency into the practice. Um, and I think that both these things, uju, the uprightness, and the ardor, 
uh, a kind of dimensions of commitment, you know, to invite a commitment to the practice. And I just wanted to name that now, partly to, you know, re-emphasize the sense of gentle persistence, dignity and commitment, but also that there's a kind of passionate, the, the atapi end of the commitment spectrum has a kind of passion to it. So you can be passionately interested in all this stuff, you know, not, not to the point of, you know, agitation and oh, I've got to get it right, but allow yourself to be enthused and excited and passionately interested in your uh, investigations, uh, if that speaks to you. Okay. So we'll also have more um, group meetings this morning. And uh, so in a moment when we leave, inviting the people who are in the groups just now, if you could allow those people to leave the room first. And uh, enjoy your practice this morning. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.